Welcome to the Libraries Transform Texas podcast, where we showcase the value of Texas librarians and libraries. I'm Jeanette Davies with the San Antonio Public Library. Our topic today is Banned Book Week, which is going to be coming up very shortly in October. And it will be October 1st through the 7th. And the theme of this year's event is Let Freedom Read by focusing on the efforts across the country to remove or restricted access to books, Banned Books Week draws national attention to the harms of censorship. I have some special guests with me today, and they are the recipients of the Sam G. Witten Freedom Award for the Texas Library Association. This award was given to them in 2023. And the guests today are Leela Green Little and Diane Moster. And let me tell you a little bit about what they are involved with and how they were champions of, or are champions for the freedom to read. Here's the background. Atlanta County, seven citizens exemplified courage under fire. These individuals became close friends and strong allies in the fight to protect our community's public library when elected officials, prompt by a small group of residents, began removing books from library shelves. The group organized meetings, filed and funded public information requests, sifted through thousands of pages of public records, wrote elected officials, and spoke out at public meetings. They have been champions of intellectual freedom. Again, Leela Green Little, Jean Purier, Cynthia Werning, Rebecca Jones, Rick Day, Kathy Kennedy, and Diane Moster. Welcome, Leela and Diane. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. I'm very excited to talk to you today uh, about you, your incident and what occurred at the Lano Public Library. Uh, Diane, oh, I'm sorry, Alila, could you please give us a little bit of background? Uh, I gave you a little bit here, but let's have you give us a little more information. Thank you. Sure. Um, thanks so much for having us, Jeanette. We're really um, honored to be able to talk with TLA about this. Uh, and TLA has just been tremendously helpful and supportive of us. And so we appreciate the opportunity to Absolutely. give back and talking on the podcast. So Diane and I and the other five plaintiffs in this lawsuit um, sued our county government and our library director and four members of the library advisory board uh, due to censorship. Um, there were books that were removed from the shelves at our Lano County Public Library System um, due to content and viewpoint-based discrimination. Um, library advisory board meetings were closed to the public um, and we've overall seen a lot of detrimental changes to our public library system that is so precious to all of the seven of us. Um, so we filed a lawsuit in April of 2022. We also filed a preliminary injunction, went to court last October, and a judge issued a preliminary injunction um, 
ordering that the books that were censored and removed be returned to the catalog and to the library's shelves. Um, and so that's been a wonderful victory. And uh, currently we are awaiting a ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And that's where our case stands today. Right, very interesting. Uh, can we just back up just a moment? Uh, can you give us a little bit of background how it all started from the very beginning? Did you have sure. concerned citizens that brought it to the attention of the county commissioners or where did it start? Yeah, so this all began in the summer of 2021 when a group of citizens approached the library director um, due to the presence of what we call the fart and butt books. So there's a, a series of books oh. by, <laughs> yeah, yeah, by Jane Bexley and Don McMillan. Uh, some of the titles include Freddie the Farting Snowman and My Butt is So Noisy. Mm, okay. Um, okay, and those and, are children's books, correct? Yes. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're children's illustrated picture books. And some people in town evidently um, didn't like that those books were available at our public library system. Mm. Um, later that fall with um, the Matt Kraus list, um, some people combed through that list. They combed through the public library's catalogs um, and found books that were contained in, in both of those resources and uh, approached the elected officials about removing those um, from the library system. So, um, right. and, and we should say as librarians and library, you, you know, as patrons, of course, um, that we do offer books for everyone. There's a phrase that we always say that the books have, uh, we have something to offend everyone and <laughs> diversity <laughs> of books. And that I think our role as librarians, we take that role pretty seriously in being, the protectors of freedom to read and freedom, including the choice of what you can read. Uh, so we always have options available in all of our libraries, something for everyone. Yes. That's exactly right. And um, that's why uh, the concept of censorship was so very offensive to me. Um, Diane, do you wanna talk a little bit about the freedom to read and, and what that means for you? Sure. I um, I was relatively new to Lano. We moved there six years ago. And so I wasn't quite a, as aware as Leela of the happenings until I read an article in our local paper saying that um, they were going to be appointing a new advisory board. Ah. That's when I focused in because I was very interested in serving the community in that capacity because I find that the library, from the moment we moved there, we joined immediately. When my five grandchildren come to visit, that's the first place they asked to go. Great, it, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, and um, I used it frequently. Right, so that's, that's really great. Um, so I should say that, um, so congratulations on that. And it's very impressive to see patrons taking the lead on that. Uh, can you talk, the two of you talk a little bit about how you took the lead and what you all did? Because I see you organize meetings and you organize other residents, et cetera. 
Well, I'll just say the seven of us found each other. And that was sort of (laughs) (laughs) because I knew none of the other six before this. Uh Now we communicate often, daily, for sure. Um, So, and I think some of us came into it from different angles, so to speak. I didn't know Mm -hmm. about the Barton Butt books until later on, as I said, my first frustration came when I was not considered for the advisory board. I wasn't allowed to submit a resume. I wasn't even, my phone calls were not answered. My emails were not answered. And then I all of a sudden realized there was a library advisory board already appointed. Ah, okay. Okay. Yes. And the library, usually library advisory boards are made up of people um, in the community, of course. And right. it does give an opportunity for the public to uh, give input uh, regarding their library, because all of our libraries, as you know, belong to the people. They belong to everybody in the community. Exactly. And as this moved forward and they began having meetings, we would attend just because we wanted to know what was happening. And eventually they closed the meeting so that we were no longer allowed to attend. Is that, so they were not public meetings? At first they were, and then they cut it off to the public. That's interesting because I know no school board meetings obviously have to follow laws with the Brown versus the Board of Education. And those meetings are open to the public. So I don't know what, if that falls under any meeting criteria or violation I'm not sure um I think that's a question for the courts yes <laughs> yes yes one thing at a time here so um so it's great that you actually took this forward was it difficult to find uh representation somebody to represent so so I want to talk um just a minute you asked about us being patrons and and uh, taking this action yes. and speaking to the Texas Library Association community, which is primarily librarians, um, I, I want to say that I think part of the reason that we have been able to take the actions that we have been able to take is because we are library patrons. Yes. Our jobs do right. not depend on this like librarians do. Mm-hmm. So um, I am honored to be a uh, supporter and a patron of public libraries um, for the very people that are unable to speak up and for precisely that reason. Um, yes. and, so, and, and that's wonderful. And I have to say that TLA, I know, is very helpful in situations like this where uh, anyone needs assistance uh but like you said yes we're we're the champions the librarians um and our patrons but it does take a it takes a village it takes a community library community to speak out absolutely and one thing being involved in this case taught me was a lot more about librarians than i had ever known before <laughs> and i've come to respect um the librarians in our school district and the knowledge that they um, have, and I'm, I'm afraid that the libraries in Lano right now are being directed by someone who does not have knowledge of library science. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I do know that there are a lot of school librarians that are under attack uh, in various states, um, also public librarians, 
and people going to the profession because they really do believe in the freedom to read and enjoy the work. And I think that is very important. And yes, I do believe that the Texas Library Association is very supportive of situations like this or patrons and librarians as well. So we're fortunate that we have a very uh, good state organization. Uh, absolutely. And I just want to tell the listeners exactly how the Texas Library Association has been so tremendously supportive of us. Um, whenever this was first going on pre-litigation, uh, I reached out to the uh, TLA's Intellectual Freedom Hotline. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Liz on that for helping me out. Um, so I, I got a response from her, but um, I think there's a lot of librarians and a lot of communities that are dealing with these challenges and just having the support of somebody at an organization, um, specifically, you know, Shirley Robinson and Absolutely. Wendy, uh, they have been so, so supportive of these things and the whole organization has. And, you know, in Lano specifically, we face these challenges with threats of closure of our library system. And the Texas Library Association stepped up and helped us get the word out to more people. We had supporters, you know, from outside Llano County come and uh, help us advocate for the very existence of our library system. That's wonderful because I, 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 as a librarian, and anytime I hear about a library being closed, it's a missed opportunity for the whole community and everyone. So we we are anti, we don't want to close any libraries. We want to open more libraries. <laughs> so, and, and we should say, if you don't mind, uh, that the hotline, the TLA hotline is available for anyone to call and report various things going on with libraries to uh, talk about things as something they might have seen or um, just to voice their opinions about the freedom to read. So it's a very good resource, Leela. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing that I have found incredibly helpful is uh, attending the Texas Library Association annual conference. And mm -hmm. there's been tremendous programming uh, on the freedom to read, on intellectual freedom. And, you know, I was fortunate enough in the last year to be able to speak uh, a little bit about that and about advocacy um, for the freedom to read. So, and that's yeah. wonderful. We do have a lot of supporters of our libraries, which was very fortunate. There's a large community out there and our friends of the library, most libraries. I don't know if you have a friends organization at uh, Lano. Did you have a friends group there? Diane, you want to talk about that? I'm not quite sure how, but yes, there was. A <laughs> Maybe delicately. <laughs> there is a friends of the library association for each library. So we have three libraries within the Llano County system. Oh, okay. Llano, um, the, Llano, the Llano library, the one in Llano is the one that I most often use. And there, there is a friends group who, when after the uh, uh, no. okay. okay. Most, most of our <laughs> friends groups, if I can speak of just what a friends group is in general, as most library listeners know, but um, but that's okay, Diane. Uh, that the primary function of a friends group of most libraries is to raise money for the libraries, uh, collect donated books, and then resell those, and those funds come back to the library. Um, they do other things, uh, book sales. Uh, it's different depending upon the group and where the group is is uh located etc 
So um, in Llano County, uh, Jeanette, so the, the Friends of the Llano Library Group has been around for decades, and mm -hmm. it's been a, a wonderful organization, and I joined it many years ago and yeah. participated in such fundraising activities as, you know, bake sales and these right. community events. Yeah. Uh, it was a wonderful organization, and unfortunately, uh, due to the controversies in Llano with the censorship, um, this purely democratic organization that supported the library system was overtaken uh, by a group of uh, citizens who are pro-censorship. And so uh, at this point in time, neither Diane nor myself are uh, members anymore of that Friends of the Lano Library group, and they uh, liquidated over 90% of its treasury most recently. Interesting. And I, I wanted to mention also, we have a group in Lano called the Women's Culture Club, and it's been around since the late 1800s and has always been very involved. They opened the first library and they have assisted in building the final library and they donate to the library every year. And they always had a representative on the library advisory board until this board. And mm -hmm. they were shunned in this last uh, library board appointments. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I, it's interesting how you say that the, the women's club, because the Brook Hall Library, where I actually manage, uh, the San Pedro Hills Women's Club actually got the library off the ground um, in, in cooperation with these, the county and city, of course. And uh, so it's, it's interesting how you know, women's clubs have been pretty instrumental in helping libraries throughout through time, pretty much. Uh, so that's that's very interesting. I mean, the story goes that the women would meet down at the Llano River and read books oh. and clubs in the 1900s, you know, early 1900s. Right. So it's a long history of association with the library that has been pretty much cut off. Hmm. Yeah, it's good that so some of that history is, I'm sure, could be read about at the Llano Public Library, I'm sure. Uh, and you've had a lot of uh, citizens, other citizens in the county or the the area be supportive of your efforts? Um, not uh, initially. Um, initially, this was seen in our community as something very controversial and uh, people didn't want to be outwardly supportive. Um, they didn't want to stick their necks out, as it were. Um, as time has gone on, and uh, as we won the preliminary injunction in court, and as the county commissioner's court um, held a meeting to discuss closure of our library system, I'm yes. happy to say that the tide of support here locally uh, has changed. And so now uh, we do find ourselves in the position of being supported um, by some wonderful, wonderful people who are paying attention to what is going on in our county. Right. right. And, and that's wonderful. I know it did make national news and also that people all over Texas are, of course, very concerned. And anytime we hear any library is going to close, of course, it's, you know, alarm bells go off. <laughs> right. I felt like, as Leila said, in the beginning, we did not have much support, but then as things moved on and the commissioners tried to trade the library to the city who didn't want to run it as a library, and then the commissioners attempted to close the library system completely, people started coming out of the woodwork because they realized this is the real thing. Right. And also, I know that 
Libraries are very important communities to parents, uh, children, every, we serve everybody no matter what your age is. And I know that our library being close to a middle school and an elementary school, we have lots of children that come to the library after school and do their homework. They also uh, go on the computers. And so we're sort of that middle place between school getting out and getting picked up from school. Uh, so many kids get picked up at the library uh, by their parents. And But our most important thing is we also want to make sure that we do have the materials available for people to read. And we do have a collection, as most libraries do. Um, we do have trained professionals that uh, do collection development. And the majority of books that are put in libraries, uh, there is a collection development, like I said, a professional that does make those selections. And, and I think you've hit on something that is so tremendously important to remember during band weeks, band books week and throughout the year is the importance of top-notch collections development policies yes. and materials reconsideration policies. Now, yes. um, an interesting thing about Lano is uh, we actually did have a, um, a good material selection policy. It just appears that um, those things were not followed, which is terribly unfortunate. That is unfortunate. I know with the San Antonio Public Library, we do have a policy, of course, and we do offer uh, if somebody walks in and says they have an objection to a book, we do give them a document that can fill out. And I believe you mentioned it, Leela, the uh, reconsideration. And we do have people that follow up in our collection to, uh, development department and discuss those things with um, the patrons. And so, but we do, again, we diversity and we have something for everyone, no matter what group you're in or how you feel about it. And that's the idea of libraries as we know, we wanna offer something for everyone. Right? Absolutely. And one other thing I wanna add is that Band Books Week played an important role in the events that happened in Llano. Um, many years ago, um, I went into the library during Band Books Week and there was a display up of banned books. Mm -hmm. And one of the books that was on the shelf is Mari Sendak's In the Night Kitchen, which was a, a 1970 book uh, yes. that was a Caldecott Honor recipient. And uh, I had heard of banned books before as this ephemeral concept, but I was, um, you know, I, I was a little confused as to why a Mari Sendak book might get banned. So uh -huh. I checked it out. Yeah. I took it home and I saw the nude toddler and uh, that book, which is um, at issue in our lawsuit, uh, became a family favorite. We read it uh, many, many times, checked it out many times, and uh, unfortunately it was censored and uh, removed from the library shelves. So Banned Books Week is important and you never know how it's going to impact somebody later on down the road. Yeah, so we're going to start wrapping things up a little bit here, uh, but I do want to say also that, yes, Banned Book Week is very important, and it does bring attention to uh, books that have been censored, books that have been removed, etc., and that's the whole idea of Banned Book Week. So I'll tell you about my Banned Book Week display that I'm going to put here at the library. Uh, ours is going to have a sign that says on a big square shelf, three, three tiers, and it's just going to have a sign that says, this is what happens when we ban books. And there'll be no books on the shelf at all. Oh, uh, that's it. <laughs> so, <Great guy. laughs> 
it's very simplistic, I know, but you get the point immediately. You can't Absolutely. miss the point. You can't miss the point. So thank you very much for both of you for joining us today. We could talk about this for much, much longer, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah. we are limited time here. And again, congratulations on your Freedom uh, Intellectual Freedom Award. And we do really certainly appreciate patrons like you. Mm -hmm.